Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrisone, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrisone's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrisone fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative, because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our breakdown of the direct examination of Justin Harden, an assistant equestrian trainer who worked for Michael Barrison. In this installment, we hear arguments over defense attorney Edward Belinkus' objection to Prosecutor Shellhorn's question to Justin Harden regarding the defendant's awareness of disciplinary actions against another equestrian trainer. That's all coming up after the break. 2016 now, are you aware uh, from August 5th, 2019, uh, related to an individual named George Morris and a safe sport? Yes. Uh, do you know who George Morris is? Yes. Can you tell the jury who George Morris is? One of the most famous American show jumping riders and coaches. And do you know if the defendant, Michael Barrison, knew George Morris? He did. When safe sport uh, gave that punishment to him on August 5th of 2019. Objection, Judge. Judge Stephen Taylor then called for a break in the trial and subsequently gathered the attorneys to hear arguments on the defense team's objection. We begin today's episode with that hearing. Uh, what's the nature of the objection, Mr. Belenkis? testifying. He's talking about, and with regards to uh, Mr. Morris, it's clearly hearsay, and I'm not sure what the relevant is. Yeah, nor am I. Let's see if Mr. Shellhorn can explain it. Judge, George Morris was given a lifetime ban. That was the nature of the next question. Was given a lifetime ban by Safe Sport on August 5th, 2019, which obviously is just two short days before the uh, shooting. As What was the ban for? I do not intend to elicit that, Judge, for prejudicial reasons, but it was for sexual misconduct. I think it certainly is relevant, but I was not intending to elicit that again because on balance, 
I recognize that that could be prejudicial. I don't see the relevance of someone else being born. Well, if it's Mr. Barrison's, uh, what's the relationship between Mr. Barrison and this individual, Mr. Morris? Mr. Morris is essentially one of his mentors and someone that he looked up to as a, a leader and a, a paradigm of horsemanship in the community his entire career to the point where he would go and watch Mr. Morris coaching and training, even though they were in different disciplines so that he could learn how to be a better coach and trainer. Obviously, the fact that that person who he looked up to so closely was given a lifetime ban from the sport two days before with all the other testimony that we've heard. Well, is there is there information that Mr. Barrison knew about that lifetime ban prior to August 7th at the time it was handed down on the 5th or 6th? He did. He spoke to him, Judge. He spoke to him on August 5th, 2019. So he spoke to him the same and day. How do you know that? Ms. Gray talked to him about that. And the defendant told that to her, as well as having, I believe, those conversations with Mr. Hardin. Judge, if I may, what the prosecutor is going to try to do when I have a transcript of an interview with Mr. Morris is that my client called him, I believe, on the 5th. And basically, after hearing about the ban, according to Mr. Morris, said that Michael expressed his condolences, said he was sorry. The investigator from the prosecutor's office then starts questioning Mr. Morris with regard to his ban. Mr. Morris is telling the investigator, not Michael Barrison, that safe sport is being used as a weapon. You know, people have killed themselves over it. You know, it's a horrible uh, body. And basically, he says to the investigator, it ruined my life. And then the investigator interjects to Mr. Morris, not Mr. Barrison. Well, do you know that Lauren Cataract was going to turn Michael Barrison into safe sport? And Mr. Morris says, and I quote, words to the effect, that would have destroyed his life. There is nothing to indicate that that statement was ever made to Michael Barrison. There's nothing to indicate that they talked about that. All the prosecutor has is a transcript of their conversation with Mr. Morris, where he renders an opinion in his mind, after going through what he did, which again was a horrific story, as to what effect that would have on Michael Barrison. I don't see how they get that in, to be honest. With you. I'm not going there, Judge. No, I don't think he's going there. He's going in. I suppose he's going in. You want to get in the fact that a mentor of Mr. Barrison's was banned for life from the sport he loved. Two days before the shooting. Two days before the shooting. Is it that relevant to Mr. Barrison's state of mind? No. What relevance is that? Someone else being banned? And and then DCP and P shows up at his house? You don't think that's relevant? That his mentor two days before got a lifetime ban for sexual misconduct and then DCP and P shows up? Well, everything else you say goes to his state of mind. Why shouldn't this if, if it's a stressor? Everything else has been rejected. No, it's not. Just your manner of trying to get it in has been rejected. After that retort from Judge Taylor, we hear an interjection from a new voice representing Michael Barrison in the proceedings. And it's hearsay, Judge. How's he going to get any of this in? Which witness has the personal first-hand knowledge of this ban? That was Edward Belinkus's co-defense counsel, Christopher Denninger, supporting the defense objection. Denninger sports a Van Dyke beard and a bald pate with his dark hair cut short on the sides. He wears a dark blue suit, a powder blue shirt, a blue patterned tie, and tortoiseshell rectangular reading glasses, which he takes off when he speaks. Judge Taylor responds directly to Denninger's question about which witness has the personal first-hand knowledge of the ban. 
Well, the defendant, I suppose. Do you have information that the, the defendant had conversations with this witness? He could have listed it from, as a defendant's statement if he knew about the ban. He has a phone record that he called them. That's it. No taped conversation, no email, no text message. Well, you just said that, that there was a, an expression of condolence on the part of Mr. Barrison. Basically, that's what Mr. Morris said, Judge, not Mr. Barrison. How do you get this in that the defendant... Judge, I believe knew about knew about the the lifetime ban. I believe the testimony from Ms. Gray, which wasn't objected to when she testified, was that this was explosive news in the equestrian community when it happened. I would have to go back to my notes to look at that, but she said it was something that everyone was talking about. My recollection is that she said that she test she discussed it with the defendant, and that the defendant knew who Judge Morris was and knew about that. Again, my recollection or my anticipation, rather, is that Mr. Harden will testify to that. I, again, can recall Ms. Gray and show her the text message where she sends the text message that says, Michael, to Justin, Mr. Harden, Michael just talked to George on August 5th, 2019. So I don't want to leave the court to believe that I'm speculating about whether they had these conversations. Again, Christopher Denninger chimes in. That would be hearsay, too. And he is followed immediately by Edward Belinkus. How do we how do we know what was said? But, but it's it's again, I'm not trying to bring in all of the particulars or the specifics. I have no intent. I, I, I think I have a good faith argument to argue. As your honor just said, that individual was was given a lifetime ban for sexual assault. The defendant jumps to a conclusion when DCPNP shows up there that Warren Kenrek has called DCPNP on him and reported him for sexual assault. And five minutes later or 10 minutes later, he's trying to kill her. That obviously goes to his state of mind, his motivation. So it's not hearsay. It goes to show directly the effect that it had on him. He finds that out. And the moment DCPNP gets on scene, he's going to load a gun, get a gun and kill someone. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before the break, we heard Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn argue that the texts regarding the defendant's awareness of the lifetime ban issued by an equestrian regulatory body against his mentor was relevant to the defendant's state of mind as he witnessed Child Protective Services show up on his property and subsequently grabbed a gun and shot someone. Barrison attorney Christopher Denninger again responds for the defense. Your Honor, he objected to the question as to what DCCNP said. Judge Taylor, in turn, poses a question to the prosecutor. I know, but so well, is a DCPNP worker going to testify? I anticipate she's going to testify, and I anticipate but she's I don't, going to testify that she was not there to investigate a report of sexual assault. Again, the defendant jumped to that conclusion because of this report about George Morris. It was all over every equestrian website, newspaper. It was on all kinds of news outlets. So if his friend killed somebody, Judge, that's... Oh, Mr. Mr. Belinkus, you put in the defendant's state of mind. Correct. You put that in. Absolutely. Are you saying that learning that your mentor was banned from 
the sport of equestrian activities had no effect on Mr. Barrison or didn't have, not even that, didn't have the potential to affect his fragile state of mind at that time? No, I, I, don't, I don't think so, Judge. There's nothing that, he never indicated that to anyone, to any of the doctors, the state's doctors, the defense doctors. You know, that, well, that, that, that doesn't mean it's not relevant because it didn't indicate it to a doctor. There may be other things that doctors can be cross-examined on things. Did he know about this? Did you know about this? What did he, what did he know, Judge? I don't banned, know. That, that he was banned. What, what are the circumstances? Oh, it's, a, it's a lifetime ban two days before. I, I think it, it arguably goes to his state of mind, his mental state at that time. Now, I'm not sure where they're getting into the specifics of it, especially because of all the information so far about Ms. Canterac notifying Safe Sport and Ms. Gray and Mr. Barrison contacting Safe Sport and sending 759 pages in August to Safe Sport. All that's part of the case. And if Mr. Barrison's state of mind is an issue here, whether it affects his state of mind, I don't know. I have no idea. But I think it's an event of some notoriety that your mentor is banned for life from the sport. And here comes DCP&P confronting them. That may certainly impact how Mr. Barrison reacted. Maybe he saw him going the same way, the state will argue. Maybe he believed he was going to be banned now because of safe sports involved like his mentor and, and ruin his life. These, these are investigations that literally take years. Huh. The allegation with Mr. Morris had to do with an allegation of 50 years prior to that. It, it's completely different. It's, it's not has nothing to do with the investigation. Judge, it's aware of the judge. It's this defendant learning about it. It's Mr. Barrett. It's this defendant. It, he learned about it. Miss Gray said that. Mr. This witness is going to say the same thing that he that he learned about it. Judge, I'm, and I'm also conceding that I'm not going to get into the particulars of that because right. I think that would require getting into what specifically did the defendant know versus did it. What I think is indisputable from all of the evidence and from the witnesses is that the defendant knew about the suspension, knew about the lifetime ban. That's the fact that I intend to elicit, not the circumstances underlying. And again, Judge, you excluded me getting from Mary Haskins Gray the fact that a complaint to Safeport was in fact filed against her and she was exonerated. And again, and we're not getting into the result, but, but this is, but Mr. 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 Belinkus, the reason why I banned that is because the result as it pertained to Ms. Gray has absolutely zero relevance to, 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 to this defendant's state of mind. How about when, when he's told about Mr. Morris getting a lifetime ban and then he sees Ms. Gray, which basically, Judge, were the exact same allegations. He was included in that complaint to Safeport. So she's cleared. He should have absolutely no concern about any complaint being filed against Saints. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what his concern was. I, again, you the problem can, is, Judge, you wouldn't let me get into what the complaint was with Mary Haskin. It right. Was with Mary. Because Haskin. you asked it about her state of mind, not his. And Barrison. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't ask that, Mr. Belinkus. You didn't bring that up. You're bringing it up now, but you didn't bring it up then. And I and the and the reason why I ruled it out was because it pertained to the ruling against her. That's how the question was asked. And I said it's not relevant. Whatever the ruling was about her is not relevant. And I even mentioned the defendant's state of mind is at issue. And you didn't bring up at that time that the complaint was about him as well. Because I didn't think the court would consider bringing up a lifetime ban of some someone else. 
that has nothing to do, I submit, to this case. I, I think it does. It's a, you, you are bringing in the fact, the whole issue, and you mentioned before here, is the defendant's state of mind, all right? And the state thinks that this may have impacted his state of mind, and it, the jury may think the same thing. Again, I understand the court's ruling. Right, I, I understand your position. That, that that's my ruling. It comes in, not not the misconduct, not the nature of it, but just the fact that Mr. Barrison learned two days before this incident that his mentor received a lifetime ban from Safe Sport. And again, now that you rule this way, I'm asking the court to allow me to ask Ms. Gray what the results were with regards to the complaint against her from Safe Sport. The exact same complaint was made against Michael Barrison. And I submit if one is who, who made those complaints? Lauren Cataract, Judge. If you want to call her in your case, you can call Judge, her in your case. After the shooting. This was at some point after the shooting. What so was? It would not have affect what was? the safe sport ruling. Oh, then, then it doesn't have relevance. Like, it doesn't. Then no the, my whole issue is, is as it pertains to the defendant's state of mind at the time of the shooting, not what happened after the fact. Judge, so you know the complaint was made before the shooting. The results, but we're, we're talking about the results. What relevance is it if, if it came in a day after, or a month after, or two months after? It couldn't have affected the defendant's state of mind because the incident already happened. I mean, that that's abundantly clear. So we'll let it in. In our next episode, we will hear Prosecutor Shellhorn question the witness Justin Harden about the defendant's response to the news of the lifetime ban issued by an equestrian regulatory body against his mentor. But before we conclude this installment, Judge Taylor brought the witness in before the jury returned to ask him a question. Mr. Harden, before we proceed with the jury, it's come to my attention that before you testified, when the last witness, Ms. Gray, was testifying, you may have overheard some of that testimony from the people um, filming the proceedings. Is that accurate? I could overhear some of it coming from outside the doors when I was sitting outside. Outside? These doors or yes. where it was being recorded? Both, but it, sitting right there, I could overhear some of what was not muffled, but some of what was coming up. Okay. Fine. Were you able to make any, uh, make out any of the specifics of the... No, because I could okay. only hear bits and pieces. Fine. And you were seated at the... There were tables outside in the yes. hallway? Okay. That's where you were seated? Yes. Yes. Okay. Any follow-up? No, thank you, Judge. All right. I see no problem. All right. Maybe we'll have to keep our voices down then. Or have the witnesses, have your detective... I was, just I was not. I, I was looking at Mr. Shellhorn when I, know, I said I that. Like I was looking at Mr. Shellhorn and I said a collective we. Um, is there any other? I know this room where we normally put witnesses um, is being used by the news crew. Yeah. There is a bench at this end. I, I think in the future, any state's witnesses should be seated down there and not not right outside the courtroom. Just, uh, the detective indicated to me he understands that. All right. Thank you, detective. <clears throat> thank you, Mr. Hart. I will bring the jurors in. Again, you will hear the rest of Mr. Hardin's testimony in our next installment. And so, that brings us to a close of this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.